Hey, welcome back to From Aid Arbitration, and man, I hope y'all had a fantastic holiday season. I told y'all, I'm all about Christmas. Christmas is my jam, okay? So, I love Christmas. Uh, everything about it. I even love how busy I am at work, because it puts me in the spirit, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, I love shopping. I love rapping. I love giving. I just love everything about Christmas. So I appreciate y'all letting me have some time off there so that I could uh, get my Christmas fix. But we're back and going to be better than ever. This year is going to be a lot of training. Like I said, a lot of educating. Going to do Article 8. That's going to last probably till Boston. And so uh, got a lot of requests for some FMLA, OWCP. We'll get into all that stuff, all right? Uh, But Article 8 is going to be the focus uh, for the beginning of the year. I will start that next week, okay? This week, uh, just a kind of conglomeration of things. Uh, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of the book Salted Peanuts. Have y'all ever heard of that? Now, this is probably back in the 70s, Salted Peanuts. I I used to love that book. And in it was 1,800 little-known facts. That was what Salted Peanuts was. So it was a fantastic book. I remember it was back in the 70s, like I said. So I was little when I used to get it. But I remember I'd check it out of the library at my church. And during church, I would sit there and read it. It just had all kind of fascinating facts. So today is going to be a Salted Peanuts edition or episode. It's going to be a salted peanuts. It's going to be a bunch of different things. And I'm going to start doing this more often. A lot of times when I see things on Facebook, I'll answer some things. Some people might message me. But uh, there are things that I'm going to cover maybe every few weeks when I see, you know, and I uh, gather enough of them. I'll just cover them on this episode. All right. I'll call that salted peanuts. (laughs) So y'all know when you see that. I'm really not going to have a topic. I'm just going to have a bunch of different things to talk about. How's that sound? So today, we're going to have salted peanuts, all right? Let me start out by telling y'all kind of a year beginning review of where we're at, all right? Uh, As far as from eight arbitration. Uh, From eight arbitration, as of today, I just looked, it has uh, 135,000 759 downloads 135,759 downloads is how much from eight arbitration has as of today it has 700 subscribers that's pretty cool I, I would have never thought that it would gotten that big but 700 subscribers uh, Facebook with Miss Lindsay she's doing a magnificent job over there has 1,308 followers and 16,000 Facebook visitors as of today. 16,000 visits to the Facebook page, 1,300 followers. From aidarbitration.com has 3,200 visits to that website. 3,200 visits to from aidarbitration.com, which is unbelievable. Uh, December alone had 513, 513 visits to from 8arbitration.com in December. Th- that's just magnificent. 
And uh, it makes me happy because it makes me feel like people out there are generally trying to get educated. And that's what this is all about. Uh, I want to say a very special thank you to Miss Paula Marshall Arguello. I hope I said that last name right. Paula Marshall Arguello. If you go on to formatearbitration.com and you scroll down towards the bottom, she has taken upon herself to take all of my episodes and kind of make a slideshow, if you will, of them that you can train off of. I thought that's pretty dadgum amazing. So if you go on there, she's made slideshows, whatever you call those things, when you go into training and have those uh, where you can put them up on the screen. She's taken upon herself to make those out of every episode. That's Paula Marshall Arguello out of uh, Sonoma. And so I really, really appreciate that. That is awesome. And she's doing a fantastic job. They look amazing. All right. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, also, Discord is jumping right now. They're they're doing. I, I say this all the time. They're always on there. I don't think they sleep. They're always on there. They're always talking. Always discussing. Uh, very educational stuff on there. Fantastic things going on there. Reddit uh, from Eight Arbitration Reddit page is amazing. That guy does a great job with that. Uh, very funny stuff on there. Also, Twitter. Uh, that's from Eight, Ar- from Eight Arbitration has a Twitter page. Um, so it, it's going crazy right now. And uh, that's fantastic. It really is. Uh, I'd like to quadruple all those numbers this year. Uh, I do know that the APWU listens. I know that Rule Carriers listen. UPS. I appreciate y'all. Y'all listen. Pipe Fitters listens. Uh, several other unions listen. I apologize if I'm, if I let y'all out, but a lot of different unions are listening, which is fantastic, uh, because it's all about education. I think that, uh, as far if you've got a collective bargaining agreement, this is for you. I think I said that in my very first episode way back when, because it's all about education. That's all I care about. Nothing else. I'm going to go over uh, a lot of stuff today. Uh, different things that uh, I've seen, uh, things that I want to show are grievances that several people have asked if they are, and we'll cover those today. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to be, um, but uh, like I said, it's it's the salted peanuts <laughs> edition, so we'll just cover all this, and um, I've had some people reach out to me about my state of my union uh, address. <laughs> I am 100% union. Believe that. I am 100% union. You will not find anyone more union than me. Uh, So I love my union. What I love more than my union is city letter carriers. City letter carriers come first to me. Above anything else, city letter carriers. I don't care about anything else but city letter carriers. So therefore, I love my union because they protect me. Supposed to. They protect my brothers and sisters. They're our agent, right? And so, yeah, I do get a little uh, uh, animated. (laughs) And uh, I say things about my union. I have that right. And I always will. Uh, But I love my union. When I represent my union, when I'm going in as an advocate, if you've talked to anybody who's ever gone in there with me, 
I'm about the business of city letter carriers. First and foremost, uh, I'm about the business of city letter carriers. As a shop steward, as a formal step A representative, whether I'm assigned as an outside steward, I'm about the city letter carrier. Okay? So anything that I do, I'm about the city letter carrier. And so if you are not, I have no time for you and no patience with you. Okay? And that's at any level. I have no patience for you. And so I'm going to call things out. And that's, I'm just going to do that. All right. So, but don't mistake me getting on my union as, as somebody who's kind of an, an arch enemy. I'm, I'm not an anti-villain. Okay. <laughs> I, I do love my union uh, very much, very much. Uh, but I will call you out if I see things that I don't agree with. I just will. Okay. Um, I think that as the union... Uh, you, you have to have uh, that love, like I talk about, that love affair for the city letter carrier. I think that that should be first and foremost to you if you're going to be successful. If you're in that position so that you don't have to deliver anymore, you're a failure, and you, you will be a failure, okay? Uh, I had a uh, Christmas party December 12th at my station. I had two carriers that are that retired, one over 40 years of service. I told you I got a lot of tenure in my station. Over 40 years, another over 30 years, and both of them retired, and uh, we were going to honor them at my Christmas party. And so I asked a, a gentleman who is full-time with the union. He, he works full-time with the NELC. I asked him if he didn't mind uh, coming down uh, December 12th and Representing the union, I thought that that would be, you know, a good little gesture to come and represent the union. First off, for the Christmas party, you know, and second, uh, to let the carriers see him, you know, that, hey, you know, the union's here, the union's interested, and to let those two retirees know, hey, look, the union appreciates you. Uh, all the years of your dues, <laughs> we appreciate you and hope you have a fantastic retirement. So I asked this individual, if, if he would come and be part of that, I thought that that would be fantastic. And um, that was a Monday. It was 9 a.m. Sent him a text, 9 a.m. So Monday comes. We have our party. It's 9 a.m. No show. Don't hear. No text. No nothing. Which was a slap in the face to my, my people, you know. About 1 o'clock... I'm out delivering mail. So I just sent a message. I said, hey, uh, we're going to go ahead and start eating. <laughs> you know, kind of a little smart-ass thing because I told them it was at 9 a.m. And they send back, laugh out loud, I forgot. Laugh out loud, I forgot. The 17th of December, they had the big thing up in Washington for Mr. Renfro where they were being, <clears throat> is being introduced as the new president and, and the big soiree they had up there. And this individual was at that, hamming it up with the others. Pictures of them, you know, laughing and cutting up with those NALC folk. And that's the picture that I've been trying to tell people uh, when I get on my union 
is that you have to have that love affair. And the NALC, the National Association of Letter Carriers, I don't know if you remember when I talked about it would be called the National Association of the National Association if the union was the most important thing. The most important thing has to be the letter carrier. That's the reason it's called National Association of Letter Carriers. That's the perfect analogy of what I'm talking about. I asked you to come and be present at a Christmas party. Maybe you don't like Christmas. Maybe you don't want to do that. But I told you that two individuals were retiring over 35 years and over 40 years of service. Union members, strong union members. And you're going to tell me you forgot about them? But you asked and forget about going up there and, and kissing all the ass up there at National on the 17th. That's what I'm talking about. We have got to get into the mindset that the letter carrier is the most important thing, regardless of position, regardless of title, regardless of prestige. The city letter carrier has got to be the most important thing. That's what I'm talking about. So when people say, man, that State of the Union, you're a little, <laughs> a little hard on them. Yeah, I was. Too many times I see on these emails and these messages where the union has basically told the carrier to kiss their ass. <clears throat> and that was the perfect example of it right there. That was the perfect example. You could have told me anything other than I forgot. You could have told me anything. I'd rather you just told me you didn't want to come rather than I forgot. I forgot my people. <laughs> Those are my brothers I've worked with for over 20 years at this station. They're my people. And you forgot? Come on, baby. <laughs> come on now. We've got to get back to where the city letter carries the most important thing in everybody's mind. In everybody's mind. If you're at National because you don't want to deliver mail, I hope that they find you out and they fire you, which is a terrible thing for a union person to say, but I hope they do. You have no business being there. If you're at National so that you don't have to deliver mail anymore, you're worthless. You're pathetic. That's what you are. Everybody up there should be wanting to fight. Everybody. You forgot? Mercy. All right. So let's get into some salted peanuts. All right. Let's get into some salted peanuts. I told y'all that I graduated in 1987. Uh, barely graduated. Let me tell you, barely graduated. Uh, I was, I was, you talking about kissing ass? I was kissing teachers' asses to give me points to where I could pass and walk the stage. And so I started at the jail and the post office at the same time, 91. And uh, in between then, what I did not tell y'all was that I was a pretty good baseball player. Pretty good. Uh, after high school, went to junior college and played baseball. Was exceptional defensively exceptional uh above average defensively uh, hitting the ball i could i could hit 
as slender as I was, I wasn't but about 175 pounds, 6'1", I could hit the ball. I could I could hit anywhere. If you put a cup in the outfield, I could drop the ball in that cup. I could hit the ball. So after that, junior college, I was drafted. And I played semi-pro ball for the Mariners organization. I played, I know it sounds hard to believe, but semi-pro ball for the Mariners organization. Uh, loved it. Loved baseball. <clears throat> so one day, uh, we're playing, and I moved. I played third, short, and second. I, I could move all over the place. So I'm playing second base, and there's a guy on first and a guy on second. And there was a rocket hit to me at second. I mean, it's it's in the hole, right in the gap. And just sheer luck, I timed that thing perfectly. Go back, hops hard off the ground, I catch it. And I come up on my knees, and I'm throwing the ball to third. And I throw it, and it was it was one of those things like you see on Sports Center. I get up on my knees and I throw that ball to third. Pow! And uh, that pow was not the ball hitting the glove. It was my shoulder. And it blew my shoulder out. And my baseball career was over before it even got started. Uh, I was done for. Uh, no surgery helped. Nothing. I was done. And... So after that, obviously, you kind of change gears. <laughs> and that's my both my parents retired from the post office. And so that's what I knew I wanted to do. And so my, my baseball career was over before it got started. And, and the saddest thing about all of that is that none of that is true. <laughs> Not one bit of that is true. <laughs> I never played baseball a day in my life. Never did. So why would I lie to y'all, 700 subscribers, why would I lie to y'all about something like that? That doesn't make any sense, does it? <laughs> just, just to lie to y'all about playing baseball. I've never played baseball at any level. I never played junior pro baseball. I never played in junior high, high school. I never played baseball a day in my life. So why would I lie to y'all? Hmm? <laughs> Management lies to y'all the same way. I see it over and over and over again. So what would it take for me to do for y'all to understand that management's a liar? How many times would you have to catch Corey Walton in a lie before you would call him a liar? How many times? Would it be just the one time? One time you lie, you're a liar, right? Management inherently wants to lie all the time. That's why when I tell you that I worked at the jail, Lindsay puts up pictures of me at the jail with my uniform on. <laughs> That's why when I tell you stories and I say, ask this person They're on Facebook, ask them if that's true. Jason Ashley, Brian Buttry, people that have been with me when I'm telling you stories of things that have happened. 
That's why I do that, because I work with liars, okay? I need y'all to understand that what I'm telling you is true. So I put a picture of me at the jail. So did you see, yeah, Corey did work for the jail. He's not full of shit. Management will lie to you like I just lied to you about playing baseball for no reason whatsoever. Always make sure that you're checking everything that management says with the premise that they are liars. With the understanding that they are liars about everything that they do. So anything that you see that management writes, treat it as a lie. I'm going to give you an example. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. A gentleman sent me some discipline the other day, and he said, Hey, Corey, I need some help with this discipline. There's two, two forms of discipline. There's two different disciplines, right? Both letter warnings for its carriers. And he said, hey, they're pretty bad. I, I, if you could, help me. And, and I'll always help you. If anybody's ever messaged me, I will help you. Okay, so this individual sent me this discipline. This is what it says. Charge, unsatisfactory attendance. Specification, failure to maintain regular attendance. On multiple prior occasions, you have been made aware of your responsibility to follow the instructions of your supervisor. Specifically, you are made aware of your responsibility to report to work as scheduled. You're also made aware of the proper notification procedures when you're unable to report to work as scheduled. And it's got since January 14th of 2022, and that January 14th of 2022 is a different font and it's a different darkness okay to present you have failed to adhere to your schedule on the below listed dates so the january 14 2022 has been input by whomever okay so that tells me what this is a template all right now this letter of warning was december 22nd of 2022 okay remember that december 22nd of 2022 is when this discipline was written the very first date cited is January 14th of 2022. They went back an entire year on this individual. Okay? January 14th, January 22nd, February 3rd, February 23rd. Goes all the way up through December. So they've gone back an entire year on this individual. So let me ask you something. When they say on multiple prior occasions when when are the multiple prior occasions hell you went back a year so i asked the individual i said what are the multiple prior occasions i don't know i said well let's find that out because i'm going to say they're liars why because they love to lie so he messaged me back he said december 2nd december 2nd what December 2nd was the multiple prior occasions. <laughs> I said, that's one occasion. Yep, but they said it's December 2nd. Well, that's not multiple. <clears throat> Do you see what I'm saying? Management has lied to you on discipline. The second letter of warning that he sent me, the exact same language. You know why? It's a template that labor has written with an intentional lie. Why? Because they want an arbitrator to see that 
to see that, man, on multiple prior occasions, this gentleman's been made aware, this lady's been made aware of their requirement to be regular attendance. Obviously, they're not getting it. And now they've had to issue discipline because of that. That's why they do that. They're willing to lie to get discipline to be issued to us and stick. That's why they do that. So when I tell you this story about the baseball, that I played baseball, it was an intentional lie, right? Management is no different. They will intentionally lie. Do not take what they say for granted, okay? Do not take anything that they say for granted. You challenge every single thing, just like this individual. And I said, what happened on December 2nd? They said it was an official discussion. An official discussion on their attendance? Yes. And yet they've cited dates all the way back to January. I said, make that contention. If you're going to give me an official discussion, you damn sure ain't going to use dates that you cited in that official discussion. We're not going to use dates that were covered under an official discussion. Right? I had an arbitration once. A young lady was the shop steward. She was a hellraiser. Big time. And it was a letter warning. So it was an expedited arbitration. It was in front of Josie Franks. It was in Mississippi. And it was in 2017. I remember that. They wanted this super, They wanted this shop steward out of there. So it was a letter warning, seven-day, 14-day removal, all within two months. So this letter warning was, it was imperative that I win that case because all the others would tumble if I did. And in that case, what had happened was this postmaster had told the carrier, shop steward, that there was a hold order for an individual only and to continue to deliver the mail of this other individual. So that's what she's doing. The supervisor comes up on the side and says, hey, look here. Here's another hold order. They're wanting you to hold this other individual's mail as well. Okay? Starts doing that. Then the supervisor comes up and says, hey, they just called. They want it delivered. They want the mail to be started delivered again. Okay. So the carrier starts delivering the mail again. And the postmaster comes up and says, hey, I just got a phone call. Uh, why are you delivering the mail? I told you specifically not to do that. Well, the supervisor told me to start delivering the mail again. Calls the supervisor over. Hey, did you tell this carrier to start delivering this mail? No. No, I, I never told her that. The shop steward, you're a liar. <laughs> you did tell me that. No. No, I never told them that. So they give her a letter of warning. So here was the supervisor getting caught, giving this carrier some bad information, some bad instruction. And instead of coming clean with that, she was willing to let this shop steward fall for that and get this discipline. Now, in the hearing, it all came out. I was able to bait this supervisor into lying in the hearing. As a matter of fact, uh, my friend Greg White was, uh, was the advocate for management. Uh, she starts crying, uh, and she's crying uncontrollably. And, and I'm grilling her about when I caught her in this lie. Because when I caught her, it was obvious. 
I, I trapped her big time in this case. And so I trapped her. And so once I trapped her, you're not getting out, right? Any advocate could tell you, once you got them trapped in that lie, they can't get out of it. And the more she tried to get out of it, the harder I squeezed. <laughs> it's like an anaconda. She's sobbing, looking over there at Greg. Every time I asked a question, she'd look at Greg. And I, finally I said, ma'am, ma'am, he can't help you. <laughs> he can't help you in here. You need to look at me. I'm talking to you. Answer the questions that I asked. And uh, she kept looking over there. I said, ma'am. He's not going to help you. <laughs> he can't come to your rescue in here. And so, obviously, the arbitrator threw the discipline out. Management will lie to you to get you fired. I have seen them lie in clock rings. I have seen them lie on discipline. I have seen them lie on mail volumes. I have seen them clock carriers off while they're still out delivering. They would rather climb a tree to tell a lie than stand on the ground to tell the truth. Always remember that when you're dealing with management. Anything that you see, question it that they're lying, okay? I had an individual that was uh, messaged me Friday, and he said that he was working on some cases, and in the other room he could hear the teleconference between the district manager and all the managers and postmasters and all these things. And the district manager tells them that, hey, look, any carrier that's out past eight hours is stealing. District-wide, any carrier that is out past eight hours is stealing from you. That's what he told them. And he wanted to make sure that that doesn't happen. Now, how do you think management is going to do that? What do you think that did to management in that district where that came from? What kind of environment did that set on that workroom floor for the carriers in that district? What kind of hostility are they going to have to put up with because of that district manager saying that to those managers in that district? What is the 3996 going to look like when it gets returned based off what that district manager said in that district? What are volume reports going to look like now that that district manager said that in that district. What are the street observations going to look like because of that district manager, what he said in that district? Here's a district manager, the top person in the district, telling his employees, the carriers are stealing from you if they're out past eight hours. Think about that. A letter carrier coming to work doing the best that he can. And this son of a bitch is going to say the carriers are stealing from you if they're out past eight hours. That's the mindset that management has on us at every level, okay? That's the mindset that they have on the city letter carrier at every level. We're thieves. We're stealing just by coming to work. We're stealing. That's the reason I get emphatic about my union. That's the reason that I, I want my union to get stronger and, and, and more aggressive. That's, that's what we're putting up with. When I say that they forgot where they came from when they get to that level, they don't deal with, with managers and postmasters and supervisors at that level unless somebody calls them. They don't deal with the shit that we have to deal with down here on this working floor, right? I've seen in arbitration managers lose hundreds of thousands of dollars because of their incompetence. In Kingsport, Almost a quarter of a million dollars because of one piece of paper that they didn't give us that was requested. 
quarter of a million dollars now. Nothing happened to the supervisor. Lake Charles, I've rung up half a million dollars in grievance settlements, in arbitration. Nothing happens to the supervisor or postmaster. Here in Nashville, $500,000 on a route inspection because management falsified and cheated and lied. Nothing happens to the postmaster or the supervisors or to the managers. I've been to Huntsville, where that's cost them off of one grievance, $50,000. Nothing happens to the supervisor or to the postmaster that does that. All across this country, I see over and over again the non-compliance over non-compliance over non-compliance. The money that is wasted on non-compliance due to management's inability to go by the contract. I've seen that everywhere, and nothing happens to them. And I've got a son of a bitch as a district manager going to say that the letter carrier, if he's out past eight hours, is stealing from you. That's the double standard. Management doesn't give a damn about themselves. The carrier's stealing. If he's out past eight hours, he's stealing from you. He could be working his ass off, but he's stealing. That's the reason I want my union to be bulldogs. That's the reason I want my union to be wolves, jackals. That's the reason. It's because that's the mindset that we're dealing with. A district manager's going to say that the carrier is stealing from you if he's out past eight hours, and I've got son of a bitches that waste $500,000 in an arbitration and not one thing said to him. This is my salted peanuts, right? <laughs> Different topics. I have a um, couple of things that people sent me kind of on the same thing I was just talking about. And here's what one of them said. He says, I know you get bombarded constantly, and I appreciate any response you give. This isn't me asking you something critical or even expecting a response. I just want to pick your brain on a couple of things because I'm very interested in what you would have to say. One of the things that pisses me off highly is the notion of follow instructions, then file a grievance later. To me, if the contract is not powerful enough to be enforced immediately on the spot, on the workroom floor, then what good is it? Or you that dynamic tilts the playing field heavily in favor of management. A carrier can be subject to immediate consequences for violating protocol, but not management. They can continue to travel all over Article 8 and Article 7 every day, and carriers are told we have to simply take it. It's further advantageous to them because there are so many branches that don't file grievances, and therefore management has no dis... I'm going to say it's incentive to comply with the contract. Then he goes on to something else about arbitration. And, and I get that all the time, and I think even Mr. Renfro got that, about the constant noncompliance. The constant noncompliance of the contract. Let me tell you, the contract was negotiated between two parties with the understanding, with the premise, that's the reason the contract was written was that the things in the contract were going to be followed. That's the idea. That's what the parties ex expect, okay? So the only avenue we have is the grievance procedure when it's not followed. Now, I understand completely what you're talking about, and that goes back to what I was just saying about this district manager saying that the carriers are stealing. Management has no incentive to comply. If they don't comply and it's grieved, then there's, you know, a resolution, maybe some money. There is no 
incentive to comply, really. <laughs> Nothing ever happens to them. There's no fear. Uh, so, you know, now if an arbitrator came out and said that a manager was responsible for the money out of their own pocket, then you would see the contract abided by. <laughs> then you would see compliance immediately. That would be compliance. If uh, an arbitrator said, hey, this $500,000 is going to come out of the supervisor's pocket and we're going to make a little payment plan, you would see compliance nationwide then. But there's no incentive to comply for management. District managers don't care about noncompliance at all. Postmasters don't care about noncompliance. Those grievance settlements, that money is in a whole different thing, and labor will tell you. They don't look at that number. They don't look at that figure. They don't care about that. That's set aside as a whole different thing. If the district manager was to come down and say, no more noncompliance, whatever you have to do, you know what? There would be no more noncompliance. But they don't care. All they care about is saying that the letter carriers are stealing. So to that individual that wrote that, I get your frustration. I deal with it all the time. JB has 1,200, I swear to God, 1,200 cease and desists on Article 8 violations in this city. 1,200. There's no incentive for compliance. And that's why I get angry when I see my business agent's office say, we're not going to say cease and assist any longer. We're going to say, we'll comply, shall comply, please comply. You're setting us back to, to the first step when you do that. Uh, we're in a fight, okay? We're in a fight with management. And, and I need my union <laughs> to be with me in this fight. I need my union to be behind me in this fight. If you're not going to be in front of me, at least be behind me, you know? And that's what gets me frustrated. I, from coast to coast, I see things people send me where the union is not helping. <laughs> and so I do get frustrated, and I see things because of that. And uh, But to that gentleman, thank you for reaching out. I told him I was going to address it on this episode. But the contract was written with the understanding of compliance, with the expectation of compliance. And it even talks about in Article 41 what you do if there is an issue with compliance, where it talks about a cease and desist, when it says if cease and desist, an instructional cease and desist isn't getting the job done, and to the point where it's become egregious, then an escalated monetary award might be uh, something that we look at, or an additional monetary award might be something that we look at. It doesn't say... Uh, an instructional will comply or shall comply. Cease and assist is what's contractual there. And so uh, it does address that, what would happen. But to that gentleman, the contract was written with the expectation of compliance. Okay? And so, uh, like I said, I've dealt, have won millions of dollars in arbitration because of noncompliance. Uh, and there's no incentive for management to comply. They don't, they don't care, really. Here's another individual that reached out. He said, just from a personal perspective, the three most chronic problems is that I see for branches are, one, Article 8 violations. I agree with that. Article 7 violations. We deal with that. And three, the refusal of management to resolve grievances at the lowest possible level when a matter is clear-cut, black and white. I think that is Article 15, but I'm not sure about that. I see it in my office, and I hear a lot of people say 
the same things. The postmaster sends a supervisor to meet at step A, and the supervisor basically is indicating that they can't settle anything. Isn't that auto already an automatic violation of Article 15? Then it goes to the postmaster, and they refuse to settle anything. If the overtime list was not maximized before going off the list or when mandating carriers to work their day off, that's not confusing or gray. And so I told him I'd address that. You're right, 100%. And that happens nationwide. That doesn't make it any more acceptable, but it happens nationwide. Most supervisors don't care about the grievance procedure. They're going to go in, they're, they're a signature is all they are. Uh, they're not going to have anything ready. They're, most of them, they're not going to have anything ready to go. They're not going to have anything to show you. The things that you've requested are the only things going to be brought to the informal step A meeting. They're not going to settle anything 90% of the time. And that's just how it is. Uh, postmasters, station managers, the same way. Uh, they're not going to admit guilt to anything. If they tell you that they can't settle it, then I would write that down in my notes. At the informal meeting, the supervisor said he didn't have the authority to settle this grievance. That's a violation of Article 15. If the postmaster says, I don't have the authority to settle this grievance, I'm going to write that down in my notes. That's a violation of Article 15. But that those are things that are nationwide. Most managers, supervisors are not going to resolve grievances. Uh, some will. You know, in Nashville, we have a, you know, decent amount that will. And so, but uh, that's a problem. But what do you do about it? Management has the right to manage and mismanage. We, we police the contract. Okay. And so uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, we cannot force them to settle anything. Unfortunately. All we can do at the informal A level is take the 14 days, get all the information possible that we can to, to uh, support our position, make sure that the formal A has all of those things, our contentions. Same thing with the formal step A, make sure that they have all their contentions, everything ready to win this case. And, and that's, that's the union's position. Uh, it just is. Another thing that I saw and, and an individual sent me was what do they do with leading questions? And I went over this a little bit uh, in an earlier episode talking about leading questions. And I had a gentleman that sent me an I, uh, and he said, you know, what do you think about this? And I said, all the questions are leading. <laughs> all of them are leading. And, and the individual on Facebook that was asking about it says, what do you do? And like I talked about in my earlier episode, I'm going to read you these questions and, and show you what a leading question is. Here's a question that was asked on this investigative interview. Question, why did you not follow his, this instruction to case your mail quietly and diligently? That's the question. Why did you not follow this instruction to case your mail quietly and diligently? And, and as a shopster, what I would do is I would intervene and I would say, don't answer that question. That's what I'm going to do as a shop steward. Don't answer that question. We're not going to answer leading questions and that's leading. It's leading and it's accusatory. Okay. We're not going to do that in the investigative interview. Anything that's accusatory, I'm not going to let the carrier answer it. 
And management can threaten me all they want to threaten me. I don't care. But I'm going to tell the care, don't answer that. It's accusatory. And then I'm going to have the supervisor rephrase or reword the question. Now, more than likely, they're going to tell me, this is my investigation. You stay out of it. Okay. And they'll ask the question again, and I'm going to tell the carrier, don't answer that question. It's accusatory. In the investigative interview, it's supposed to be two things, right? It's supposed to be thorough and what? Objective. If you have found me guilty in my investigative interview, it's not objective. When you say, why did you not follow this instruction to case your mail quietly and diligently? I'm guilty. If I answer that, I'm guilty. So the shop steward as my agent has to protect me in there. You're my refuge, right? You're my strong place. <laughs> You're my refuge. You protect me in that investigative interview. And so when they say, why did you not follow this instruction to case your mail quietly and diligently? I'm stopping that immediately. I'm going to say, whoop, don't answer that. That's accusatory. Let's, let's ask it some, some other way <laughs> or reword that, but we're not answering that. Here's another one. On Tuesday, 1220, your supervisor made an announcement for employees to case quietly and diligent, diligently in your case. You were observed and heard out of your case talking with another carrier. Why did you not follow this instruction? I'm stopping that. I'm stopping that. That's accusatory. Why did you not follow this instruction? It's accusatory. I'm guilty. Anything I say is going to lead me to being guilty. <laughs> so as a shop steward, I'm stopping that. I'm going to say, man, you started off good. But doggone it, right there at the end, you got me. When you say, why did you not follow this instruction? They got me right there. He's not going to answer that. We need to change that up. Here's another one. An additional announcement was made on Tuesday, 1220, from your supervisor for employees to case quietly and diligently in your case. You were again observed out of your case talking with another carrier. Are you aware others could hear your conversation? What kind of question is that? You were again observed out of your case talking with another carrier. Well, hell, you don't need to ask me a question now. I I'm guilty. So I'm going to tell them, don't answer that one. We're here as a fact-finding mission as the investigative interview. When you say you were again observed out of your case talking with another carrier, I'm guilty. Here's another one. Are you aware others could see you out of your case not casing any of your mail? Here's one. Has your behavior of unacceptable conduct been brought to your attention before? Has your behavior of unacceptable conduct been brought to your attention before? I'm stopping that one. Has your behavior of unacceptable conduct? I'm stopping that. If he says yes, he's guilty. If he says no, he's guilty. As a shop steward, I'm intervening and I'm saying, we've not established unacceptable behavior. We've not established that. That's what you're going to do after this investigative interview is establish whether or not he's had an unacceptable behavior. But we're not answering that question. If he says, yes, it's been brought to my attention, they're going to write that down in your discipline. If it says, no, it's not brought to my attention, we're acknowledging that we have unacceptable behavior. 
We have to be the refuge in there as an, as the shop steward. We have to intervene in those accusatory questions. Stop them. Right there in the investigative interview, stop them. Okay? I don't care what management says to me. I am immune. If they say, if you don't stop, I'm going to do this and that, fine. And the next accusatory question, I'm stopping it. If they tell me to shut my mouth, I'm going to do that and sit back. At 11.57, supervisor so-and-so told me to shut my mouth because I was trying to protect the letter carrier. Let's go to Article 17, Weingarten writes. And so after that, I'm going to have the carrier write a very good detailed statement about the supervisor telling me to shut up when I was trying to protect him. I'm going to write a very detailed statement about the supervisor telling me to shut up while I was trying to protect the carrier. And then when that discipline comes, I'm going to say it's a violation of Article 17, a violation of this gentleman's wine garden rights. Anytime you see right on something, that means that I have a right <laughs> to that. The wine garden rights is my right. That strong language in arbitration. I have a right to that. When does my right to due process end as a letter carrier? When does my right to due process end? When does my wine garden right end? My, my due process rights last all the way up until arbitration. My due process rights last. At what point do I lose my right to due process? Never. Never. It's my right. I don't care what you have done. You have the right to due process. I don't care. And look, y'all know those on the left and those on the right. Y'all have seen those that are so far on the left, you're like, man, y'all are crazy. Y'all have seen those so far on the right, you'll say, man, those are crazy. I am that way about the city letter carrier. <laughs> I'm crazy, man. In my defense of them, regardless of what you've done, you never lose the right to due process. That's my right in an investigative interview to due process. The Weingarten right is one of those rights to due process. That was what we would say. There's a major due process violation because they violated his Weingarten rights. Sit back. Write your statement. Okay? Write your statement. I, I don't care what you've done. I swear to God, I don't. I don't care if they have caught you throwing all your mail over a bridge into the river while you got a crack pipe in your mouth with eight pounds of pot in the back of your FFV with your vehicle still running and your wheels not curbed. I don't care. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm fighting. I'm bringing it. Because I have the right to due process. You have the right to due process. And so if I can find a due process violation, we're getting it. Okay? I don't care what you've done. I hate management that much. I don't care what you've done. I'm coming. I'm bringing it. So, all that because of a wine card violation. <laughs> So accusatory questions, let's make sure in the investigative interview we're stopping those on site immediately, immediately. If it's an accusatory question, stop them, okay? If they tell you to shut your mouth, 
Thank them. Absolutely, I'll do that. I appreciate that. Write that down. It's a wine garden violation, okay? Here's another thing an individual sent me. And JB is a master at this, um, questioning concurring officials. I always preach questioning concurring officials. I always preach that because when you don't, anything in arbitration that they say is fact. Okay? I can't prove otherwise. Question concurring officials. Question them. Because they can come in there to arbitration and I can't say anything to them because I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know answers. Here's something that an individual sent me. Her name is Kira. Uh, she's out of Florida. And, and this is what I'm talking about. This is the concurring official, okay? And, and I want to get the concurring official on the record all the time before arbitration. I don't care if you're informal. I don't care if you're formal. Reach out and question the concurring official. Like I said, JB is a master at this questioning the concurring official a concurrence is a devastator to discipline if we can prove that it's rubber stamped or if we can prove that there was no independent review of the information at the time okay concurrence is a devastator if i can show that it wasn't properly concurred on i've won more discipline grievances in arbitration through concurrence than most anything else arbitrators aren't going to tolerate it i had a 14-day suspension one time of a gentleman. He was Fats Domino's nephew. <laughs> he was Fats Domino's nephew. Looked just like him. It was eerie. Looked just like him. Um, but it was, he had a 14-day and a removal. I was responsible for the 14-day. Pete Moss, the business agent, came in and handled the removal. But I handled the 14-day. And my branch president, Dave Clark, the very last sentence... Now, this guy's guilty as he can be, but the very last sentence of his contentions, he's had about six pages of contention. The very last sentence was, there was no proper review or concurrence on this discipline. That was the very last sentence. There was no proper review or concurrence on this discipline. That's all he said. So in the hearing, management never addresses it. I don't even think they saw it. It's the last sentence, like I said, on about six or seven pages of contentions. So in the hearing, they bring in this witness. She sits down, swears her in, and I'm going to say, Mr. Arbitrator, I'm going to have to object because this uh, witness has nothing in the case file. Anything she talks about is going to be new argument. So the arbitrator says, does she have something in the case file? And the other advocate says, no, but the union has questioned proper concurrence. The arbitrator looks at me. I said, we sure did. At the formal A meeting, we questioned it. And it was never addressed. They never said anything. Went to Article 15, formal step A. I said, at the meeting, you see that, Mr. Arbitrator? At the meeting, this is what's going to happen. A full, detailed statement of facts and things relied upon. Says that. You can call witnesses at the formal A meeting. Management had an opportunity at the formal A meeting to call this individual and address Mr. Clark's contentions about proper concurrence. That never happened. So I don't know what she's going to talk about here. And the arbitrator kicked her out. 
and he threw out the discipline. He said, no concurrence, no discipline. No concurrence, no, it was over with, just like that. No concurrence, no discipline. The 14th day, gone. Off of one sentence. So the concurring official is, is vital to management. And so if we can prove that it's a rubber stamp, uh, that there was no independent review of the information at the time, if we can prove those things, again, that's my right to due process. I don't care what the discipline is. If there's not been a proper concurrence, arbitrators will throw that out. It's that strong. Information requests, wine garden rights, concurrence, killers. Killers. I don't care what you've done, just like my scenario about the mail throwing it off the bridge. I don't care what you've done. Killers. Okay? Here is the... Here is... This is Kira. This is her questioning the concurring official. Okay? And here's why this is so important to an advocate. And it may not seem important to anybody else, but to an advocate, it's gold. Right? Here's what it states. Kind of formalities about um, understanding you have to be truthful, kind of like they do us. On what date did you concur on the removal for this carrier? Um, don't recall the date. Now, here's why when, when Kira sent me the discipline, we kind of go over the discipline. There's a request for appropriate action, and it was dated, I can't remember, the 17th. And the concurrence was on the 17th. I always, always become skeptical when I see that. That's rubber stamping. If I've got a, a request for action on a day and the concurrence the very same day, I'm going to question a concurring official about what they looked at. But what, what, in, what papers did they look at? Who did they talk to? Whatever happened. It, they rubber stamped it. And so that was kind of what happened here. Kind of some rubber stamping went on. On what day did you incur on the removal for this carrier? I don't recall the date. What process did you use in concurring the removal? I reviewed the packet and concurred. Okay? I reviewed the packet and concurred. All right? Did you weigh the evidence in the case against the information in the file? Yes, I did. These are good leading questions. These management, listen, management wants to lie to us. Okay. Management wants to lie to us. So ask them questions that encourage a lie or promote a lie. Okay. That's what I do in arbitration. I ask questions. They want to lie. Did you look at everything? Well, they're not going to say no. <laughs> they're going to say, yes, I did. You sure? Yes. Do you feel like this person should be removed? Yes. They're not going to say no. They want to lie. Okay. Are you aware that the maintenance person so-and-so supposedly delivered both the request for this carrier to appear for an investigative interview and the removal notice? Yes. So they had a maintenance person go out and, and deliver this, allegedly deliver this letter uh, for this carrier to cut report for an investigative interview. Did you review the tracking information on both of those documents when concurring the discipline? Yes. Did you notice anything odd about any of it? No. Will you please explain to me the process for delivering signature confirmation items during COVID-19? 
you're still to go to the door and you're still to sign the 3849. When the notice to appear for an investigative interview was delivered, were you, were you still under COVID protocol? I don't think so, no. Is an employee allowed to sign someone else's name when delivering a signature item? No. And the reason those questions are so important is when we get the packet, we're looking at signatures. One of them's not right. One of them is obviously falsified. And it's the janitors that went out there has falsified this carrier's signature. Uh, so we asked the carrier, did you ever receive these notices to report for an investigative interview? She says, no, I never seen them before. So that's the reason she's asking these questions is because the janitor falsified this signature. I'm going to say they never went out there. And, and so she's getting it on the record that, COVID protocol, when you sign it, when you don't sign it, because we have a falsified signature. We have a carrier saying, I never received any information, any letter to report to an investigative interview. Therefore, management issued a removal without investigating the carrier, without giving the carrier her day in court. And we're going to say that that's intentional because we have a falsified signature on these uh express and certified. And so that's why those questions are so important. How familiar are you with supervising city letter carriers? Pretty well. Can you please tell me what article 16 of the national agreement between the NALC and USPS covers? No, I cannot. It's been a while since I've been over city, unfortunately. Let me read that again. Can you please tell me what Article 16 of the National Agreement between the NALC and USPS covers? No, I cannot. It's been a while since I've been over, been over city, unfortunately. Are you familiar with the EL 921? If so, what subject does it cover? No. That's their handbook, the Supervisor's Guide to Handling their Grievances. And she's not even aware of the EL 921. Will you please tell me three of the tenets of just cause? You got me. No. Are you aware that this carrier's mom died before she was supposed to be back to work from maternity and this was her child care provider? No. Let me keep on going, then I'll come back to that. Are you aware that this carrier has been trying to secure government help with child care since March? No. Are you aware of that as of January, documentation shows that help has been provided? No. Are you aware that discipline is supposed to be corrective in nature rather than punitive? Yes. In not bringing this carrier back to work when she is finally able to do so, do you not see that as punitive instead of corrective? No. The notice of removal cites a letter of warning, 7-day suspension, and 14-day suspension. Can you tell me what these are for? I'd have to look. I'm not quite sure. What documents were used in the removal of this carrier? I do not know right now. I don't recall. Are you willing to rescind your concurrence of the removal, knowing that this carrier now has acquired child care and returned to work? No. Is this your first concurrence as a higher official in a removal case? Yes. Concurrence is supposed to be from a new set of eyes and from someone who has no skin in the game. 
Do you think that as the acting manager running the office where this care was absent for duty, you are someone with, without bias in this case? If so, please explain. Absolutely, because I was there when I first came to this office and have known her work ethic. And I left to work at, at this station as an EAS. However, I return as an acting manager. I believe I have enough evidence and enough history with her to be unbiased. That's as devastating questions and answers as you'll ever get. What you've done is you've cut the legs off of the concurring official. They can't bring them in there to, con to talk in the, in the hearing now. Here's a concurring official that doesn't remember any of the documentation she looked at, none of the discipline that was issued to her, Article 16, which covers discipline, their own handbook, EO 921, didn't know that the mother had passed away. One of the most major mitigating factors you can ever have in discipline cases is the loss of a loved one. She didn't know about that. She didn't know that this individual that was, was having to have child care provided since the mother, who was the child care provider, had passed. She didn't know that. She didn't know the carrier was in there uh, actively trying to find child care for her. Didn't know that. That is devastating in arbitration. Devastating. If you bring her in there, it's suicide. If I'm the advocate, I'm praying that they bring this individual in there. You have destroyed the concurring official with those questions. Now, there's some fluff in there, some questions that are, eh, you know, nothing wrong with that. Postal inspectors do the same thing. They're going to ask you questions. You're like, what the hell's I got to do anything? And then they're going to ask you this. That's, a, you know, that's incriminating. This, that's incriminating. This, that's incriminating. Then they're going to shit with you a little bit. That's devastating. Make sure we're questioning the concurring official. All right? What did you look at? What documentation did you look at when you concurred? 95% of concurring officials never look at anything. They're going to get that request for action, sign it, send it back. 95% of concurring officials never look at the first piece of paper. It's a fact. It's a fact. Make sure we're getting them on the record. Before this gets to arbitration, because once it gets to arbitration, an advocate for management, labor, is going to go over there and say, look, here's what you went over now. Remember this. Here's all the documentation. So when the union starts blasting you on it, you'll know this is what you looked at. They're going to cover all that up before they go to arbitration. That's just what they do. They want to win at all costs. So get them on the record like Kira did right there. That's devastating in arbitration. So anytime you get concurrence, uh, question a concurring official, what did you look at? Were you absolutely positive that there was nothing else we could do to get this carrier back to work? Do those things. So that's another thing. John Poskin, he has been on here before. We go back and forth quite often about sites that we have, uh, contentions that we have. And, and he sent me a site the other day uh, one that he had done, and he got back, it was an award that he got, or he won on attendance, which is very difficult. But when I was telling you about the, the letter warnings earlier, about when they were sent multiple prior occasions, you've been put on notice. That's a template. That's how they lie to an arbitrator. Multiple prior occasions. Uh, we'll always question them, what are the multiple prior occasions? 
you know, because everything's a lie, right? Remember the baseball? <laughs> everything's a lie. Multiple prior occasions. And so we'll always go to management and say, what are the multiple prior occasions? Give me those dates. They're going to make up dates. They're going to pull them out of their ass. Uh, well, on this date is this date. Then we're going to get the 3972. We're going to get the 3971s. We're going to get the ERMS calling log and put all these dates together. Why would they have done that? And then most importantly, we're going to talk to the letter carrier. Have they ever put you on notice on these dates? 10 times out of 10, they're going to say no. Because management's going to lie. 10 times out of 10, they're going to say they, they never talked to me before this discipline. Never. Here's the decision that John sent me, and listen to what the arbitrator says. He says, lastly, as to, as to the severity of the discipline related to the offense, there is no evidence that, quote, unquote, multiple attempts were made to correct any issues related to the grievance attendance. This record is wholly bereft of any evidence that on any occasion, other than in the notice of removal itself, that the grievance received any notification, let alone multiple notifications of attendance-related issues. Did y'all hear that? That's what he's talking about right there. Labor has made a template. And in that template, everybody that gets disciplined is going to say the same thing on multiple prior occasions. They don't care if it's happened or not. They want to lie to win. They don't care if there's ever been multiple prior occasions. They're willing to write that on a charge, on a letter of warning, on a seven-day, on a 14-day, on a removal notice. They're willing to put that on there to win at all costs. They're willing to lie to do that. That's why we have to call them out. You have to know that they lie, right? They're the baseball player. They lie just to lie to win. We will never do that, but we will catch them doing it. And here's, I'll read it again. This is what the arbitrator said. Lastly, as to the severity of the discipline related to the offense, there is no evidence that multiple attempts were made to correct any issues related to the grievance attendance. This record is wholly bereft of any evidence that on any occasion, other than in the notice removal itself, that the grievance received any notification, let alone multiple notifications of attendance-related issues. So, management wants to lie. We're going to catch them lying. The arbitrator basically told them, you're lying, without saying that. That's what the arbitrator basically said. Y'all just lied to me. There's nothing on this record to support that. That's the reason when we get these forms of discipline, when I say read everything from the top to the bottom, read everything, question everything, question management about everything on these disciplines. Make sure that we're doing our job to be the agent to the city letter care. Question everything. Just like Kira did right there. Question everything. Get it on the record. That's the most important thing. Building the case file. Getting it on the record. An advocate's job becomes much easier. Much easier. Here's another thing that an individual sent me on email. I told him I'd address it. It says, good afternoon, Mr. Corr. I'm a new shop steward in this state. 
We have been dealing with a tyrant yelling at carriers and threatening them with anything she could think of. Talked to my union buddies that are teaching me the ropes, but I told how we could remove her from the station. That is very hard in this state, but it continues to put grievances on her. Maybe they could take her off from, another, uh, from our station. Also, it's very hard to get statements from carriers. I printed almost everything that you recommended from the episodes. I don't know what to do. Also, management's telling us we have a new rule. It is called the 1020 play rule that consists of 10 minutes of racking your mail and 20 for tying your DPS and your packages. We already won agreements in a non-compliance and they're still saying 1020. And I told my buddies and told me to do another non-compliance. Okay, we got two things there and I'm going to address both of them. Unfortunately, my friend, we have carriers that I love dearly that don't care how they're treated. And they don't care how their brothers and sisters are treated. And they'll tell you that. They'll say, all I want to do is come in. I don't care if management kicks my ass all day long, belittles me, berates me. I don't care. I just want to come in, do my job, and go home. They don't care about anything else besides themselves. And that's their right. That's their right now. I'm not getting on them. But you see that all the time when you go into these stations and you, like when me and other union people go into these stations, carriers don't want to get involved. They don't want to, I don't want, hey, look, I'm just trying to stay out of it. You're in it. You're in it. So when you say you want to stay out of it, baby, you're in it. And we're here to get you out of it. That's what we're here for. Unfortunately, you have those that refuse to get involved. They will not help you in any way, shape, or form. They just won't. Uh, we have surveys that we take in. I would contact the branch president. If they don't help, I would contact the business agent. I would tell them exactly what's going on. Like I said before, my business agent is great at that. We're going in on a manager that's, that's a bully. We're just doing it. We're taking surveys. We're going to call the carriers in there to fill out a survey. Okay, and uh, we'll get all those together and then we'll go from there. We'll see what we got and then we'll go from there. If you can get a handful of carriers, that's all you need. If you can get a handful of carriers that, that will write you statements about what's been going on, that's all you need. Okay, under publication 552, publication 552, if I file a grievance that we're being harassed and bullied and threatened, I have now put management on notice of that. And under publication 552, management has an obligation, once they're put on notice, to initiate an IMIP, an initial management inquiry process. An IMIP. They're obligated to do so. Now, they're not going to do anything with an IMIP. They're going to come in, everything's good. I need that. I need that. If I come in as an outside steward, I'm going to request any and all IMIPs. Yeah, we did one back here. I need that. Let's get it. Okay? Because you put been put on notice. Y'all came in. You didn't find anything. Or you didn't come in at all. Okay? So, as many statements as you can. If it's two or three or four, get as many as you can, my friend. And talk about the environment. We'll file a grievance on that. Okay? Section 115.4 of the M39 Handbook, Mutual Respect. I know people like Mutual Respect, God, 
it's devastating in arbitration. I'm telling you, if you can get a handful of those, it's devastating. We'll get us some mutual respect, maybe a cease and desist, send them on up the line. Make sure they're doing a, an IMIP in accordance with publication 552. Okay? Uh, we, will, we will handle managers who choose to be bullies. We will handle that head on. As a union, we're going to handle that. If they're not, they need to step down and go back to delivering or go into management if they're not going to handle that. There's nothing worse on my workroom floor than a bully that is making it uncomfortable for my carriers to come to work. Nothing pisses me off more than that. That's the single most thing that pisses me off above everything else is that. Is someone who comes in miserable wanting to make the lives of my people miserable. That's numero uno to me. On the top of my chart is that. I want to handle them. I want to see them. I need to see them. Let's get these grievances started on them, okay, my friend? Get your statements, all right? Uh, I'd put on there, talk about the publication 552. We've now made them aware through these statements that we're being bullied and harassed and threatened. They have an obligation. If they don't do that, we're going to file another grievance. Get your grievance started. All right, we're going to ask for a, a cease and desist against Section 115 or Section 115.4 of the M39 Handbook, Mutual Respect. Let's get that on them, okay? If you go straight to joint statement, unless you've been kicked or punched or bitten, we're not going to be successful if it's cussing and yelling. It has to be an unacceptable, a pattern of unacceptable behavior, unfortunately, okay? So I'm hoping that makes sense. On the other thing, you're talking about the non-compliance. All we have is the grievance procedure. I know people hate to hear that, but that's all we've got. If it's a non-compliance, keep filing. Uh, I remember, I don't know if you remember when me and Mr. Renfro were talking with his own here. There is a figure out there. There is a figure out there that will force them into compliance. For Lake Charles, it was $1,000 per carrier per violation. That stopped it. Okay? I know that some others have some astounding figures. There is a figure out there. We just need to make sure that our business agent's office is in this fight with us and don't screw us with a, with a will comply or shall comply. There is a figure out there that will get them into compliance. So my friend, unfortunately, on the non-compliance, you just have to keep filing non-compliance. An arbitrator, you will find an arbitrator who will put an end to it. I assure you. I assure you. Okay. Our, uh, this uh, golden hour, this golden hour, another individual reached out. Uh, we'll put it on Facebook. And he said, hey, my, my manager came in and said there's a golden hour. We can't talk for an hour. Look. We're adults. We're not in kindergarten. Okay? Grieve that. You're not going to tell me I can't talk for an hour. That's asinine. It is a grievance. It is a grievance. If management comes in and says there's a golden hour, it is a grievance. You don't have to ask. It is a grievance. You cannot tell a grown adult he can't talk. That is, you know, I don't get that. 
How are you going to come in and tell me I can't talk for an hour? I will tell you to kiss my ass for an entire hour. If you ever told me that for an entire hour, I'd tell you to kiss the entirety of my ass for one hour. If you ever came in and told me that. Every time you walk by, I'd say, hey, kiss my ass. You're not going to tell me I can't talk. Here's what we're going to do. Anybody in this country that's listening to this, if management tells you that you can't talk, we're going to grieve it. Period. Bottom line. M41 Handbook, Section 112.25 states, Be prompt, courteous, and obliging in the performance of duties. Attend quietly and diligently to work and refrain from loud talking and the use of profane language. I'll read that again. Handbook M41, Section 112.25. It states, Be prompt, courteous, and obliging in the performance of duties. Attend quietly and diligently to work and refrain from loud talking and the use of profane language. So if I want to go into my case and talk about my kids, talk about my grandson, talk about the football game, the basketball game, talk about knitting, whatever I want to talk about to the person beside me, you can't do shit about it. Now, if I start getting loud like I do on here, and I start cussing like I do on here, they can do something about that. But I can talk to my friend next to me. I can talk to my brother next to me. I can talk to my sister on the other side of me. And we can talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about. And there's not a damn thing you're going to do about it. Grieve that. There's also uh, an individual put this up and I stole it when I saw it. It's the National Labor Relations Board. A notice to employee posted by order of the National Labor Relations Board. It says the National Labor Relations Board has found that we violated federal labor law and has ordered us to post and obey this notice. So this golden hour went to the National Labor Relations Board and they made management put this up. And so management says, we've been ordered to do this. <laughs> you know they hated that shit, you know. And it says, we will rescind the following unlawful unilateral changes we previously made. One, the golden hour rule which had prohibited employees from talking or taking breaks during the first hour of work. Bingo. Past practice, Article 5. I've always been allowed to talk until this buffoon came in here and told me I couldn't. The M41 language is going to be all you need, but let's put an Article 5 in there. Looks like the National Labor Relations Board kind of looked at Article 5 when it talked about the practice. Anytime you talk about practice, we're talking about Article 5, Okay. And so they say, hey, look, the practice of telling y'all y'all can't talk or take a break for an hour, <laughs> we had to rescind that. Who in the fuck they think we are? They, they think we're children, kindergartners. That's something you would tell a kindergartner. Okay, class, no talking for an hour. Who in the hell are they? Man, that, that's why I hate them so much and why I get so angry when my union doesn't, doesn't come to our aid <laughs> like they should. This is what we're dealing with on the workroom floor. They will never hear about it up there. That's why we need them to be more involved. And I think they will be. I, I Look, I told Mr. Renfro that I've got his back and I'm going to give him a chance. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. Because I said I'm going to do it. So I'm going to give him a chance. I'm going to give all of them a chance. Because that's, that's what I said I'd do. 
Y'all should do the same thing. Give them a chance to settle in, get their agenda down, give them a chance. Okay? We owe them that. We owe them that. So let's see what happens. Uh, they got some good people up there, though. I, I, I see that now, happening now. They got some good people up there. So we're going to give them a chance. We're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, we've lost our way a little bit here lately, and but I think that we're we're in, we're in a, on a good track. Well, how is that for salted peanuts? That's a bunch of stuff, right? Y'all, let me know what you thought about that salted peanuts. Just coming in here and kind of just going over some things, some topics that come to me that I'm gonna let y'all know about from coast to coast. Okay, salted peanuts. Is that all right, y'all? Is that okay with y'all? Okay, kind of sporadic, kind of going here and there, but it covered different topics. Um, I like that. I, I, you know, like I said, for my new stewards, I hate doing a lot of that because I don't want you to get confused. But topics that I see come up a lot, let's discuss them. Okay. Let's discuss them, even though y'all can't discuss, y'all listening, but um, salted peanuts, there you have it. Um, t-shirts. I've had a lot of people reach out about t-shirts, why I don't sell them, and I've told you this before, I will not ever take a penny from my people to do this podcast. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I will never make give her the impression that I started this to make money. Uh, Jeremy and I have turned down numerous people wanting to advertise on here because it's gotten pretty big. Numerous people want to advertise. We've turned them down um, because I will not profit off of trying to help y'all. I'm just not. Um, but T-shirts, I've had a lot of people ask. Matter of fact, I've had a couple of branches make their own T-shirts. Uh, Louisiana, they had... Uh, the branch made them with their branch uh, insignia on the front and on the back. It's from the eight, from eight arbitration logo. Cool as hell. They sent me two of them, a gray one and a blue one. Money. Had another one send me a t-shirt that was made. Money. Hey, it's flattering, but that's, it's awesome. Okay. So what I've thought about doing was I've gotten with um, a couple of people and what I may do is sell shirts and the profits go to MDA, okay, which is the 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 union's organization we've chosen to support is MDA. And so what I may do is is sell shirts uh, and the profits go to MDA. I'll do that. I'll do that, okay, because that I just don't get the impression I'm trying to profit off of y'all. Y'all not going to come to me with hard times. Me like, hey, give me some money. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. You know, we're in a fucking fight here. And so we're going to fight discipline. Y'all send me stuff all the time, which I love. Um, discipline, contract cases, contentions. It's always coming in. Always. We're always dealing with it. And and that's what I told y'all I was going to do. I will not profit from that. Okay. But I, I have thought about it because I get so many, believe it or not, I get so many people wanting shirts, uh, want to know why I don't sell things. And uh, I may do that. I may sell shirts, give the profit to MDA. Okay, so I'm thinking about that, all right? So that'll be coming later. Next week, I'm going to start with uh, Article 8. We're just going to do it, get it out of the way. It's a beast, a beast of an article. As confusing as anything you'll ever do, but we're going to unconfuse it for you, okay? I'm going to have several people on 
to do those. And like I said, it's going to go all the way up to probably Boston of next year. <laughs> but we're going to get it down. I'm going to go piece by piece. I'm going to go page by page. Okay. Uh, it may be 10 minutes. It may be an hour and 10 minutes. But I'm going to do it like that. And uh, we're going to number them. That way you know what to go to if you have an issue with letter care paragraph, uh, maximizing. Management talks about simultaneous scheduling, uh, window of operation. And all that stuff, we're going to cover it, and I'm going to, you know, we'll, we'll do it like that, okay? And that way we'll just get it down. And then we'll get into some uh, FMLA, OWCP, limited light, what's the difference, and things like that, okay? So this year is going to be a big year for us. Uh, I never thought it would get this many episodes, to tell you the truth. I thought I'd be in and out of this thing, be done with it, and just pay the little bit of money it costs to keep it up. And uh, that way new stewards can go to it. But it's kind of taken on a life of its own. Okay. Which is good. Which is a good thing. So there you have it. My salted peanuts edition. The first one. Um, and I'll do more of that. Y'all let me know what you think. Get on uh, from Aid Arbitration. The Facebook page. Tell Lindsay what you thought about it. Um, email me. Message me. Get on Discord. Rant and rave about it. Get on Reddit. Say that sucked. And uh, I love feedback. I don't care what it is, good or bad. I love it, right? So, salted peanuts, there you have it. Y'all have a fantastic rest of the week. Thank y'all so much for listening to subscribing. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for wanting to educate yourselves and, and, and let me help you as much as I can. I've always said it and I always will. I don't know everything. There are many more out there that are smarter than me. Many. Uh, but I, I tell you what I know and try to help as much as I can. There's a class up in Washington right now, uh, Advanced Formal A. Good luck to y'all. Study, study, study. Kick ass up there. Uh, I'm thinking about y'all, uh, Advanced Formal A training uh, up there at headquarters, I believe, uh, around there. Um, kick ass. Be the best. Be the best. I was talking to somebody. They're like, well, I don't want to be the best, but I just want to be the best. Whatever you do, strive to be the best. Strive to be the best at whatever position. Shop steward, formal A, B team, advocate. Strive to be the best at whatever you do, and you'll be successful. Okay? Strive to be the best. Anytime I step into the room, I want to be the best in there. Whatever it is. Anytime I step in the room, I want to be the baddest motherfucker in there and I want to be the best. Am I? No, but I want to be. I carry myself like that. Advanced Formal A, y'all kick ass this week. Study. Study. Get it down. Kick ass, all right? I'll talk to y'all next Sunday. We're going to get into Article 8, okay? Y'all have a fantastic rest of the week. It's great being back, talking to y'all, and uh, I'll see you then, all right? Bye.